figure it out. He said, I learned it. Now, a learning, when, you, when somebody's learning something, that's a process. And how do we learn things? Especially spiritual experiences, how do we learn them? Most of the way we learn them is not by reading a book. Now, you can read books and people can tell you how, and you can listen to sermons and get suggestions, but the only way to learn contentment is to get so discontented with your discontent that you make a decision to find out, God, how do I live in this with contentment and joy and peace and not be frustrated and been out of shape and bitter and resentful and hostile and angry and want to run? God, how do I live in contentment in all of this? He says, I learned it. When did he learn it and how did he learn it? He learned it on the road. He learned it in persecution. He learned it in prison. He says, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be free from the worry and the hassle of all the things that are natural and normal in a person's life who's going through circumstances they can't, they can't contain and can't control and cannot manipulate. He said, I've learned the lesson. And in order to learn lessons like that, we have to fail. So here's what I want you to remember. Don't have a pity party over your failure, but rather just say, Lord, I just want to thank you that you understand me, and I just want to reaffirm that everything that comes into my life has to come ultimately from you because you're the sovereign God of this universe and you're the one who allows it or refuses to allow it into my life. And so I submit to you in this. I'm trusting you to care for me and I'm going to draw from you what I need. Out of the innermost being, you said, shall flow rivers of living water. That is life-giving sources. Whatever I need for life, he says, it's going to flow because Christ is within us. Now, the only way Paul could say any of that is this. The Apostle Paul understood what it meant to live in Christ Jesus and for Christ to be in him. That is, he knew what his identity was, that he was a child of God who possessed the life of God and, and bore the, the name of, of Christ in his life. He understood what it meant to be in Christ Jesus. That is, he lived out of him and he lived off of him and Christ living on the inside of him was his source. And so how did he draw? He drew by faith. That is so simple, but so profound. He drew by faith. Now for tomorrow, for example, let's say you face some situation, circumstance out of your control and somebody is doing it to you, whatever it might be. How do you respond? Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that because you are my source, I draw from within you, I draw from you the capacity to, to be kind and to be forgiving. I draw from you the love that I need to express. I draw from you the forgiveness I want to express. I draw from you the kindness and the gentleness. I draw from you. And you see, that's what the Bible is all about in a practical fashion in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the who? The Spirit is. Learning to draw from within us that which God has placed in order that you and I can live in any single solitary circumstance. That's what he said. Any and every circumstance, he says, I've learned to be content. When believers begin to know in a practical, daily, moment-by-moment -moment lifestyle that all that I need is on the inside, my friend, life takes on a whole new perspective. You know what that means? You're not dependent on anybody. Now, that doesn't mean we're not to be interdependent as a church and as a family and as friends because that's the way God made us. But you're not, you're not dependent upon anybody to make you happy. You see, when 
you're dependent on somebody else to make you happy or somebody else to make you peaceful or somebody else to give you contentment or someone else to do something, suppose they disappoint you. Suppose they leave you. Suppose they die. You see, we can't control anything outside. But listen, God gave you the capacity as a believer through the power of the Holy Spirit to control your thinking. And he gave you the faith to simply trust him. Hey, here's what I want to say to you. Do I mean that one time in your life like salvation you can do that and you'll be free forever? No. I mean every time you and I hit the winds blowing us off course, we just have to come back to claim and to affirm and to reaffirm and to trust and to draw, which means that throughout our lifetime, what happens? We just have to keep learning to trust Him and keep drawing in order to experience contentment. That's one of those lessons you don't learn once, but you and I learn and keep learning and keep learning to practice until finally we sort of have it down. Not that we'll not ever need it. We'll keep on needing it. But at least we know what to do and how to go about it. And I want to challenge you. The first thing that steals your contentment, I challenge you with those four steps to see what God does. Thanks for listening to In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. God is always in control. When you see your situation in light of His omnipotence, you'll realize that you can lean on Him for comfort, support, and contentment no matter what you face. To listen again, click on Today on Radio at InTouch.org and look around our website to learn more essentials for growing a strong personal faith in God. And if you go to the bookstore page, you can order a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, Contentment in All Circumstances. Again, that's InTouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. If you prefer to write, our address is InTouch. Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. Wanting to do something well is commendable, but perfectionism can be a trap. Today's Moment with Charles Stanley is coming up. In Touch Plus is streaming on Local Now, featuring all the best of Dr. Charles Stanley. We're to have strong convictions based on the Word of God. He's working out things that you and I would never know about in our future. In Touch Plus, your streaming network for quality Christian programming 24-7. Now watch this. In Touch Plus, streaming free on Local Now. Trusting God each day can be a challenge, but working to grow that trust brings greater joy and peace than we could ever find on our own. In Trusting God with Today, the 365-day devotional from the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley, we are encouraged to believe in God's love and rest in His purpose for us. Available now at intouch.org slash today. You're listening to In Touch. Hard work is its own reward, but the wrong motives can steal the joy from a job well done. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. The perfectionist mindset has this issue. Their acceptance of themselves is based on how they perform. 
for themselves, for God, for other people. So a perfectionist has to do everything just right. And what happens oftentimes with a perfectionist, they become a procrastinator because if they can't do it just right, they just don't do it. And so they want to wait till they can be perfect in the way they do it. And the truth is, none of us are perfect. And our perfectionism doesn't mean that we are perfect, but that we see ourselves in such a light that in order to be accepted with God, friends, business, whatever it might be, we have to do things a certain way. And that is a satanic trap. It is bondage. Perfectionism is a terrible form of bondage because you couldn't be happy. Because, first of all, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to end up being late. You, you, you may say the wrong thing. You may write the wrong thing. And so, if you're living in that form of a lifestyle, you can't be happy. You can't have any peace. You're always anxious, afraid that you may fail or disappoint somebody. And so, it is a satanic trap. A believer's motivation should be gratitude for God's grace and our effectiveness lies in the strength He provides. Learn more about the Christian life at intouch.org. And if these truths are impacting your walk with Jesus, we'd love to hear your story. Next week on In Touch, are you facing a turbulent season? Hear how you can survive and thrive through the storms of life. Monday on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look in an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. One of the most telling statistics from the General Social Survey is that Americans are having less sex now than they did in the 80s and 90s. Since 2008, the share of men under 30 reporting no sex at all has nearly tripled. That stat's one of the clearest signs of what has turned into a counterintuitive but now reliable pattern. The more liberated and progressive our culture becomes, especially when it comes to sexuality, the less interested in or capable of finding human partners we become. And I specify human partners because the decline of sex and the rise of high-tech sex alternatives have gone hand-in-hand. Hand. Online pornography use, for example, has become ubiquitous. The Institute for Family Studies reported in 2022 that a majority of men aged 30 to 49 say they've watched pornography in just the last month. And now, another emerging alternative to real women will likely draw even more men into unreality. Recently, British freelance writer Freya India highlighted the phenomenon of AI girlfriends, describing an array of new apps like Replica, Intimate, and Dream Girl Builder, all of which offer men the chance to craft flawless digital partners. These apps not only offer simulated sex, they also promise companionship and emotional attention. As India writes, quote, create a girlfriend who's judgment-free, who lets you hang out with your buddies without drama, who laughs at all your jokes, control it all the way you want to, promises Eva AI. Design a girl who's always on your side, says Replica. End quote. And to be clear, none of this is an expansion of sexual romantic freedom, nor is it a tool that can empower people to make more human connections. It's a retreat from human connection, a turning away from the very thing for which we're biologically, socially, and emotionally wired. And yet, that's always been the end of the road that we started on so long ago when we mixed a commitment to hyper-individualism with technology. As Sherry Turkle observed over a decade ago in her book Alone Together, the process started with living our lives on the Internet. Soon, we began exploring alternative lives through social media, crafting identities and connections to perfection, pruning our friends list to include only those people who pleased us. 
And so now we've simply reached the stage at which many would rather cut out humans altogether, opting instead for drama-free companions who never have bad days, never grow old, always laugh at our jokes, never ask anything of us, and can simply be paused whenever it suits us. And AI technology is here to fill that demand. So what's next? C.S. Lewis was among many science fiction authors to speculate about this. In that hideous strength, the last book of the Space Trilogy, he describes the corrupted inhabitants of the moon, who do not sleep with each other when they marry, but, quote, each lies with a cunningly fashioned image of the other, made to move and to be worn by devilish arts, for real flesh will not please them. They are so dainty in their dreams of lust, end quote. Most likely, AI girlfriends will eventually morph into robotic girlfriends and will lead users to finally and fully give up on human relationships altogether. But what insanity! We're never made for such nightmares. We were created with bodies for embodied relationships, among them the one flesh union of marriage through which God brings children into the world. And at the heart of Christianity is the message that God values our embodied nature so much that in Christ he assumed that nature in order to rescue us. Our human relationships don't need replacing. What they need is redemption. Now, of course, few would have ever expected Christians to get the reputation for being pro-sex people. But if falling in love with a computer is the alternative, that may be our future. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.